Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many more, and you can make money from your podcasts. It's everything you need to do to make a podcast in one place. So if you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, if you really want to do something, you'll figure it out. You'll find a way to get there. And we all do that in our life. I mean, check your checkbook and see where you spend your money. Check your calendar and see where you spend your time. If you really want to do something, if you really want to buy something, you figure out a way to do it. And if you don't really want to do it, then you figure out an excuse why. Welcome to Inspiring Growth, where we inspire growth with leaders and their organizations. I'm Mark P. Fisher. Thanks for joining us. In the studio today is Bobby Pancake. It's kind of fun to have you hanging out in the international offices of Inspiring Growth, formerly our kids' homeschool room, mostly because you and I have done some life together. We've raised some kids together. Bobby is a husband, a father, a grandfather, and he also is a serial entrepreneur who has multiple hospitality brands underneath his company called High Five. And today, Bobby, the world probably doesn't know this, but on April 18th, what is today? Today is National High Five Day. Well, that means we're celebrating in High Five Hospitality. That means we're giving high fives to unsuspecting guests. Bobby comes up to me and he says, give me high five. And he turns around and goes, five will get you 10. And I give him a $10 complimentary gift certificate to one of our restaurants. Lori and I had a delightful dinner date night last week at one of your restaurants in Newark, Delaware. The Stone Balloon Comfort Food Reimagined. And for 35 bucks, we had two entrees. I'm telling you like you don't even know this. But I saw it on social media on the morning. And I sent a text to my wife. And I said, let's go tonight for dinner. 35 bucks. We had two entrees, delicious, hearty, not shared entrees, dessert, and a bottle of wine for 35 bucks. What are you thinking? I'm thinking, sounds phenomenal. You should make all your travel plans to go to Newark, Delaware to visit the Stone Malone. Okay, so let me, let me tell you why I invited Bobby into the studio. Bobby is a man after my own heart. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I love inspiring quotes. So Bobby has a tendency to, well, post quotes. And uh, so I said to Bobby, and this is his first podcast, would you be willing to come in, take your top 20 quotes? I'm going to read the quote, but what I want you to do is tell us the story behind it. What inspired it, why it came about, how you came to think about that. Some of them, and by the way, I love that they are called pancakeisms after Bobby Pancake himself. Today we were eating at a local restaurant and the owner came in and Bobby introduced himself and he says, uh, what's your name? He goes, Bobby Pancake. And he looks at him and goes, Pancake? Why Pancake? He goes, it's my name. I mean, have, what, have you ever met Kevin Bacon? <laughs> Which I thought was great. Anyway, so we're going to go through these quotes and Bobby's going to share with you the stories behind it. And then I want to get a little bit behind the scenes of what inspired Bobby to build a, a hospitality organization based on High Five. So let's just start with the very, very first pancakeism that I like. Don't judge my story by the chapter 
you walked in on? That could probably be one of my new favorite, what we will call pancakeisms. And I'll just say, uh, you know, pancakeism is something that I say over and over again to people. Some of them are my own. Some of them I have borrowed, modified, shamelessly stolen from other people and made my own. But don't judge my story by the chapter you walk in on. We have a tendency to, when we meet someone, to decide right then and there who they are, why they are successful. They've always been successful. They've always been a bum. They've always been a cook. They've always been an auto mechanic. And we don't take the time to get to know that person and understand the struggles and the pain and the story that brought them to where they are. We tend to open the book up to chapter 19, and that's where we start reading. And when you get to understand what brought a person to where they are, you have a lot more respect for that person. I think of a homeless person holding up a sign, and sometimes if we judge, we judge someone based on their ragged-looking shirt or jacket, and they'll miss. It's very possible that we can miss the rich heart that's on the inside of that person. But you're a successful businessman. People in our area look at you and go, "That dude's always been successful," because we just walked in on the chapter called today. But what inspired you to even go into hospitality that has built this franchise with multiple Buffalo Wild Wings, Stone Balloon, Limestone Bourbon and Barbecue, and now you've got a new one, Expectations. What started you down that path? I needed to get paid. I needed money. I needed a paycheck. I needed to feed my family. What starts anyone down this pathway? It was by happenstance. It was by calling. I didn't know it. I I don't want to say I fell into it. You're asking me a question in chapter 19, and we we need to go back, clear back to chapter one. And, And it started as a job offer to a kid who wouldn't give up at Kentucky Fried Chicken in Kaiser, West Virginia, to be a cook, to be a guy that cut the chickens in the back, back in the day when we actually did those kind of things in restaurants. You cut the chickens in Kentucky Fried Chicken in the restaurant? Yeah, we had to do a nine-piece cut. So the chickens came in whole, and I ran the saw. But they weren't alive. You didn't kill them in the restaurant. Well, I didn't say I killed them. I said I cut them. Some other guy cut them before me. So I was the guy that came into the front counter to the general manager of a fast food restaurant in Kaiser, West Virginia, wearing his paper hat, and I wanted to work there. And I came in in my shirt and tie every week, twice a week, for six weeks, Till I wore him down and I got the job as a chicken cutter. And that started my uh, 37 year career so far in this business. In my experience and the experience of many people, there's usually someone along in our story, one of the chapters, early chapters that believes in us, maybe actually more than we believe in ourselves or, or said another way, they believed in us before we did. Were there any of those kinds of people in your life? There were. There were quite a few. One that comes to mind right away is a lady named Norma Kyle, who has has since passed away. But when I was a young assistant manager in the fast food business, she made sure I understand that whatever decision I made, I would have to live through that decision. And one story in particular that I remember is I decided one night in my cocky young manager self that I was going to fire the two cooks that were in the kitchen. Remember, I started in the kitchen because I could do it with or without them. And I called Norma at home and I told Norma that. And Norma said, that's fine. I'm sure you made the right decision. And have you checked tomorrow morning's schedule? 
And I said, I have not. She said, well, I haven't either, but I can assure you my cook is you. <laughs> Lesson learned. All right, let's go to another pancakeism. If nothing changes, nothing changes. I mean, come on. That's a little easy, but kind of profound. Yeah, Mark, if nothing changes, nothing changes. If you want things to be different, then you're going to have to do something different. And doing things, you know, we've all heard that. If you do things over and over again and expect different results, you're an idiot. That's another way of saying it. If nothing changes, nothing changes. If you want your life to be better, then you need to start doing things that would make your life better. Talk about the transition of some of your changes. You were married. You had some kids. Things changed. You got remarried. You had some kids. You were building a business. All of those transitions that were going on in your life, those changes, were there any that you were just petrified? Like, oh my gosh, if this happens, if this ends, if this begins, this change, I'm afraid to even walk through it. Are there any of those kinds of changes in your, in your story? Yeah, there are plenty of them. The first thing that comes to mind is you read my Facebook post today. The second thing that comes to mind is when I got fired from my highfalutin job, in a big organization and was blindsided by it. At the same time, I was pursuing a franchise opportunity of Buffalo Wild Wings. And when you have to go home and tell your wife that you were fired and there was no reason why you were fired other than your boss didn't feel like he could manage people with you in the building, pretty good reason. But how old were you? 30s. Oh, wait, that's how old I am now. No, nope, no. 30s. <laughs> what did your wife say? I don't think we said anything. I think we hugged and we said, we will get through this. And we locked arms and we got through it. I want to take a minute and just read the Facebook post that I found scrolling this morning on Bobby Pancake's Facebook page. 37 years ago today, in a small church on the top of a hill, a young man accepted a gift. The joy in his heart was overwhelming. His parents, his family, his friends celebrated with him. Even heaven rejoiced. His destination had been changed. Throughout the years that followed, he grew and he gained experiences. Some would say he even prospered. Sure, his life presented its challenges, its twists, its turns, its ups, its downs. He had friendships, acquaintances made lifelong friends, got married, divorced, married again, and children, lost touch with people, had success, experienced failures, trusted people, got burned, and found out that when you're going through your deepest valleys, you find out who your true friends really are. But he did his best to stay upbeat, which I totally see in your life, stay positive, and be keenly aware that others were watching. Such is life right? But the one who gave him that gift remained faithful. Through all we can call life, he remained a friend. He was there on the mountaintops, and he was there in the deepest, darkest times. When others changed their words, his words were true. When others were fearful, he was rock solid. He provided words of encouragement, of wisdom, of peace, of hope, and of truth. He showed undeserving grace when it was needed, and mercy when most of us would have 
given up in favor when it wasn't merited. The one who gave the gift was willing to give his life so that the guy who accepted his gift could live. The one who gave the gift was Jesus. And the young man that accepted the gift was me, Bobby Pancake. And you end your post with two Bible verses, one from Ephesians that says, By grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that anyone could boast. And the other, probably most famous by of recent days from Tim Tebow, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's quite a post. In other words, what you're saying is you have two birthdays. <laughs> Talk about that. I am undeserving. Of eternal life, but I have a friend who gave everything so I could have it. One of the things that I respect about you, Bobby Pancake, is that you you tell it like it is. You're truthful, but in all of your quotes, you're not afraid to tell truth that may be from the ancient Near East in scriptures that are disregarded in today's society. It's usually on a Sunday; it pops up in my feed. Probably by intent and design. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you for telling truth. Thank you for reminding folks that there is somebody that when everything else is blown in the wind, he's rock solid. So I think all of us who go through struggle know that that's the place that we have our greatest growth. Well, let's look back at some of the pancakeisms here. Excuses <laughs> usually satisfy the people who use them. Talk about that. Every excuse I have given to my wife, to my friends, to my boss has worked for me. But typically, there's a story behind the excuse. And I've learned over time that it is much better to just tell the truth and be completely honest with people and tell them like it is and deal with the truth than it is to make an excuse. So I would much rather in our organization, if a team member takes off work today because they're going fishing... Then say, I'm sick. I'm sick of coming to work, and I need to go fishing. And then go fishing, and we'll deal with it later. Because that's truth. Rather than me finding out through social media or through someone else that this is what really happened, and then my emotions get the best of me, and I react. No, just tell the truth. Not coming to work today. Why? Don't feel like it. Don't like you. All those reasons are good. I know in in my organization, Inspiring Growth, I've tried not to say this out loud very often, but anything beside results is an excuse. I mean, seriously. Okay, another pancakeism. If you really want to do something, you will find a way. If you don't, you will find an excuse. Yeah, there's a lot of excuse quotes that I give because I need them. Yeah, if you really want to do something, you'll figure it out. You'll find a way to get there. And we all do that in our life. I mean, check your checkbook and see where you spend your money. Check your calendar and see where you spend your time. If you really want to do something, if you really want to buy something, you figure out a way to do it. And if you don't really want to do it, then you figure out an excuse why. Hey, it's Mark P. Fisher with Inspiring Growth, and I want to tell you a story about healthcare costs. 
In 2017, we saved, the Fisher family saved $24,600 in healthcare costs. How did we do it? Well, simply we switched from the traditional healthcare system to something called Samaritan Ministry. It's a health sharing plan. And we essentially went from out-of-pocket expenses of $31,000 to just $6,900. Here's why. In 2017, I had one hospitalization. The cost, 28 grand. Now, something we learned through Samaritan is that there's actually two rates of pay. There's the insurance rate, and then there's the negotiated self-pay rate. And for us, it went from 28,000 to 7,800. So if we were on insurance, we would have been billed $28,000, thus paying the $13,500 deductible, plus $18,000 in premiums. Out of pocket, $31,500. Lots of numbers, I get it. But frankly, switching over to Samaritan Ministries has saved us not only tons of money, but has helped us become better informed consumers with our health care. So why am I telling you all this? Well, if you are fed up with the healthcare system and you want to find an alternative where you share the burden and the expense of your healthcare costs with others who share your point of view about life and faith and health, check out SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. And if you qualify, mention Mark P. Fisher as a person who sent you this way and begin your savings. And what's really bizarre is whenever we've had a medical incident and we've submitted our expense, everything over $300 has been covered. But when we receive checks from fellow people who are a part of Samaritan Ministries, they also include notes, encouragement, prayers. It's really a fascinating new way to care for one another. So today's broadcast and podcast Inspiring Growth is sponsored by SamaritanMinistries.org. Check it out. And now let's enjoy the podcast. You quoted one of my favorite comedians, Stephen Wright. The best. Oh my gosh. If you have not ever heard Stephen Wright, Google him, YouTube him, listen to him, Pause the podcast and go listen to Stephen Wright. He is just hilarious. And you like to say, quote him by saying, everywhere is in within walking distance, if you have the time. Talk about that. Stephen Wright is so good. And so right. Different spelling. Well, anywhere is within walking distance. And I say this to my my kids often. I say we can walk there. Anywhere is within walking distance if you just have the time. You just got to have more time. And you can walk anywhere. My wife is from Texas, and I once heard someone say of a Texan, man, it took me 18 hours to drive from one end of my property to another. And another Texan looked at him and said, oh, yeah, I got a truck like that. (laughs) Yeah. All right, you like Henry Ford, too. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. When did that quote, that idea get inside of you? I want to say it was very early on in my hospitality career. I think there are those that speak into you as you're growing up that you'll never make it. You'll never be able to do it. You'll never amount to anything. And then there are those that get behind you and say, you have the talent. You have a calling. You have a skill. Good judgment comes from experience. Experience, Bobby Pancake comes from bad judgment. Who is Jim Horning, and and what has that quote meant to you? I have no idea who Jim Horning is, but I'm going to give him credit for it, without a doubt. 
Look, I've made a lot of mistakes, and and all of us, if if we're honest with ourselves, we will say that we've made a lot of mistakes. And a lot of times in life, things come through experience, and that's when you learn how to make the right decisions. That's what we do as parents. As parents, we we tend to give our children advice and guidance, and that is not based on what we read out of a book. That is based on our bad judgment when we were their age. So we tend to lead them down a pathway that we've already been, know where it ends, and want to steer them away from it. And the same is true in business with our team members. All right. I like this. Everyone has the power to make others happy. Some do it by entering the room, others by leaving it. I'm going to leave on that note. (laughs) Please don't, because my listeners of Inspiring Growth, I'm sure at this point, want to hear more. So don't, don't leave on that one. So another good quote I appreciate, you can have the results you want, or you can have all the reasons in the world why you can't have them, but you can't have both. Reasons or results, you get to choose. We talked about excuses and results earlier. When is it that you give this quote out to team members or family members? Typically, it's during a meeting with some of our leadership. Oftentimes, it's during our award ceremony when we are measuring the results, awarding the results, giving recognition for the results of what happened in our organization. And you can have the results you want or all the reasons in the world why you can't have them. Reasons or results, you get to choose. And we all get to choose. We can go after the results. Because typically, what I found out is, is that... When you say you can't, when you say it can't be done, when you say that's impossible, you look around and someone else just figured it out and did it. We all get measured by our results. We can make up all the reasons and or excuses, but the results in business, in life, are all that people really care about. You talk about results and measuring and team. Can you talk a little bit about the high five culture and what you measure and how you celebrate or what you do to adjust when things aren't going your way? It happens every day, but we live by five core values. Serve others well. Take responsibility. Attitude is everything. Results matter. Sell more. And those five quotes, those five tenets guide our company. So we all often go back and and measure ourselves when we respond to what something that has happened or what someone has said, and we try to fit it into that little box of, okay, am I really serving that person well? Am I taking responsibility for what just happened? What's my attitude toward it? Did I react or am I approaching things positive? Remember, results, results matter. That's important to us. And then sell more because that's what we do. We sell ourselves. When I'm a server and I approach a table, I'm selling myself. Yeah, I'm selling food too. And I'm trying to make money, but I'm selling myself. And we all do that every day. When we interact with someone at the grocery store, when we interact with someone at the gas pump, when we're at work, we're with our spouse, we're selling ourselves. Just don't sell yourself short. That is so good. Inspiring growth listeners. I, that's worth writing down, hitting repeat on. Wow. Such good stuff. I appreciate your humility in in offering the reality that you make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Your team makes mistakes. How do you teach your team to recover from a mistake? Rather than make an excuse, oh yeah, I'm sorry the food came out late because the cook's an idiot. Like, What do you do to teach your team to own their stuff and not make excuses? Own it. Just own it. 
whatever it is, own it. Because that's the only way we can deal with it. What do I say? Own it. I, I, I don't care who made the mistake. It doesn't matter to me who said what. doesn't matter why it happened. It only matters that we look at the problem, solve the problem. That's it. Nothing else matters. And no one cares. No one cares the reason why it happened. The guest sitting at the table when the food's taking a long time doesn't care that we had two people call out in the kitchen. All they care about is whether or not their food's going to come to the table. So own it. We're struggling. We only have one guy back there. It's coming as fast as it can. We're going to get it to you, and you're going to be thrilled when it comes. I think people like honesty. When I make a mistake over the course of my life of 31 years of marriage and five kids and running organizations, I have struggled with not making an excuse because I don't want to be the one that someone looks at and says, you're the idiot. I mean, the common denominator here is you. And I think over the course of uh, probably the second half of my marriage, I started learning how to own things in a way that didn't take it back or didn't buy it back. For example, learning to say, I'm sorry, instead of saying, I'm sorry, but if you weren't such an idiot, I wouldn't have exploded at you. Or I'm sorry. However, if you hadn't have done so-and-so, I wouldn't have done such and such. And what I hear you saying in this whole idea is when we own something, we apologize for it and we don't make the excuse. And we, I mean, I've seen this in my own kids. I remember when I was just beginning to learn how to accept responsibility for a stupid thing I did or said and make it right through an apology. It was a Sunday morning. We lived in Southern California. Our youngest son was about four or five years old and he was sick. It was time to go to church. And my wife said, Hey, I think I'm going to stay home with Brennan. You guys going to church? I said, well, okay, but do me a favor because I'm recording the game. Now, you know, West Coast games, one o'clock games on the East Coast is a 10 o'clock game. It's right during church. And I'm an avid Redskins fan. I wanted to watch this game. So I hit record on the, the VCR, told my son, okay, I know you're not feeling well. I want you to get better, but don't touch the TV, right? And sure enough, he didn't touch the TV which I was very grateful for. So when I came home, I opened the door and he looked at me and he goes, Daddy, I watched the game and you're going to be so sad. <laughs> I was like, why did you tell me that? And I saw my little four-year-old son just wilt like a flower. It just had the sun just beat down on it and he ran into his room and he hid behind his Legos and my wife wisely said, that worked really well. And I was so upset with myself. And I went outside in the mountains, took a long walk and threw sticks at trees. And I realized I blamed him for my sadness when all he was doing was giving me some information that he thought might be helpful. And it was in those moments of trying to understand who I am and who, how I affect people that I realized I'm just going to go back and own it. But one of my mentors had taught me to try to get below the surface of how I affect somebody and figure out how it made them feel, which, you know, for us guys, we have two emotions, right? Happy, sad, angry, ecstatic. There's not a lot in between. So it's taken me a while to, to learn the language of emotions. But I realized what I probably made him feel was unsafe, large man, yelling, upset, 
unappreciated. And so I went back and I went to his door. And another thing I learned about owning something is to, to make sure that you get permission to move forward. And so I knocked on his door and he was still behind the Legos. And I said, Hey buddy, can I come in? And he said, mm-hmm. and I got down on my knees looking through those Legos. And I said, Hey buddy, Daddy was so wrong to get upset with you. I bet you felt like I didn't even love you and you were you were scared. And he just nodded yes. And thankfully, by the guidance of good mentors, that's all I said, except for, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I could have said, but if you hadn't told me that, I wouldn't have got upset. But I was starting to learn this principle that you teach your team and that you live by to own it. And you know what he did? Jumped out from behind the Legos, grabbed onto my neck, hugged me, said, Dad, let's go out and tr- jump on the trampoline. And do you know in the 14 years since then how many times he's brought that up to me, that offense? None. And I'm so appreciative when you talk about owning our stuff. It's hard. It's embarrassing. It's easier to blame shifts onto somebody else, but... I I so appreciate that idea that you have shared. You know, I catch myself with, when I say I'm sorry, waiting to hear the other person say they're sorry too. And it's an area of growth that I know that I have, but as I grow and am very aware of it, I will be able to get past that. Uh, The second thing is, is that, you know, sometimes, oftentimes, too many times, my family uses my quotes on me. And when these types of things happen, they simply say, flush it and move on. Christy Blackwood Stonis, you quote her as saying, you don't change people's minds by the words you speak. You inspire change in their hearts by the life you live. She is a wonderful Christian lady from Kentucky, used to live right here in this area, Delaware, Maryland. And I think she said it right, so I quote her on it. And I think that's what happens too often, particularly as leaders and as parents. We tend to tell people the things that they are supposed to do. And in reality, we should simply be modeling those things and doing those things and inspiring their hearts to not be more like me, to not be more like a great leader, but to be more like Jesus. Lou Holt says, it's never right to do the wrong thing, and it's never wrong to do the right thing. Lou Holtz is correct. And in coaching football, he's right on most of those things, too. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's, it's never wrong. It's never wrong to do the right thing. And it's hard sometimes to know what the right thing is to do. But you know. You know that you know that you know what the right thing is. And then just simply do it. And it's always, always, always right to do the right thing. Can you think of an example where you struggled with that? I'm pretty good. No, I think, I think I'm being honest. I, I don't think I really struggle to do the right thing. Yeah, I can give examples of when I've had to hold my tongue. I can give examples of when I've had to stand down. I can give examples of when I had a better answer, but I have to let someone else go forward and make the decision and make the mistake because it's not, it's not going to be the end of the world. And I think that's the right thing. I think it's the right thing to allow others to grow. All right, another good quote. A positive attitude may not solve all your problems, 
but it will annoy enough people to make it worth the effort. That was on the back of my business cards for over 20 years. And it is a mantra that I've lived by and people think it's a pancakeism, and it's not borrowed from someone else, but it's how I've kind of lived my life. And it's, it's incredibly insane how that when you have a positive attitude about things, regardless of what things are going on in your life, when you embrace the day, when you see the sunshine, when you put a smile on someone else's face, how annoyed other people are, but how it changes their attitude. I totally see that in you. And I see that when you walk into a situation, I remember being at a soccer game that our kids were playing. People were really upset by the refs. And <laughs> you, you walked in and said something that flipped everyone's I don't even remember what you said. I just remember you brought this spirit to the sidelines that some people were annoyed by, but I just said, this is what we needed at that moment. And those are the kinds of things I think are the, some, one of the gifts I think you give to the world. And I'm super grateful to call you a friend. Thanks, Mark. You quote Abraham Lincoln, good things come to those who wait, but only things left by those who hustle. Hey, if you want something to happen for you, you got to make it happen. And patience is a virtue, right? Patience is a virtue. But I don't think you need to be patient sometimes. I think you need to go get what you want. I think you need to go after it. I think you need to, to put the naysayers in your background and move forward and hustle. And I think that's a lot of the reason why, you know, we go back to the first quote that you said, you know, don't judge my story by the chapter you walked in on. It takes hustle to get to what people consider the top. I'm not at the top yet. I see the top sometimes through the clouds. I know where I want to go, but I'm not going to stand by and let others talk me out of it or get in my way. I'm going to continue taking the stairs. There is no escalator to the top. It's a staircase. But when I get to the top, my legs are going to be really, really strong. And I'm going to appreciate every step of the journey. We were having lunch today, and you were talking about drama and how some people create drama. And talking about our kids' schools and all the things that up and down and in and out and good and bad. But you said something I thought was really interesting about what you teach your kids about school, about life, about drama, about the stages of our life and what to focus on. Go back for me, just for our Inspiring Growth listeners, and retell that story about drama and decisions and how you teach your kids. Well, we'll just keep it real. I think oftentimes we protect our kids from things or want to protect our kids from things or get caught up in uh, what other parents are spinning or what the teacher said or what the principal did or any of those things. And I've just chosen not to be a part of it. I, I think the most important thing for me as a parent is to send my child to a school, and I'm, I'm blessed to be in a position where I can send them to a private Christian school. But my job is to invest in them and put them in a place where they can be safe and learn and have foundational truths and education that will prepare them for the next level of their life, 
whether that is, is life in general and work and a vocation, or whether it's education. And then that next level in their life will then prepare them for the next step in their life. And we'll realize that in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years from now, no one cares where they went to high school. It's not that important. And to get caught up in the little things that annoy us about, I'll say it, annoy us about our spouse, annoy us about our teammate at work, annoy us about the guy that's at the gas station, those things don't matter. Causing drama about those things isn't important. What's important as a parent is to put our kids in a safe place so that they can learn, so that they can grow, so they can get an education. I want you to talk briefly about the name of your company, High Five. When Bobby and I were talking about his company one time, I was like, tell, tell me about the philosophy behind this high five attitude. And you talked about inappropriate touch <laughs> and appropriate touch. Tell our inspiring growth listeners what you mean by that. Boy, this has really come to the forefront in the media over the last couple of years. But, you know, to go back to where it came from, when I worked for Buffalo Wild Wings Corporation, I worked out of their corporate headquarters in Minneapolis, and I was notorious for every morning going through the office to every department, by every cubicle, to the president's office, to everyone's office and giving them a high five. Somewhere between 8 and 9.30 in the morning, I would just get up, walk through the entire office, give everyone a high five. I traveled a lot, so on the door to my office was a copy of my handprint, and underneath it it said, give yourself a high five, I'm traveling. And it was awesome how many people said they just would get up from their desk when I was traveling and go back and give themselves a high five. So I thought it was appropriate when I decided to become an entrepreneur and become a franchisee to name our company High Five and then from that, High Five Hospitality. But there is the appropriate way, a handshake or a high five. Hugs are not cool in the workplace. And I think it's it's important that you separate the two. So in our organization, it's Handshakes are high five. And I'm not a, I'm not a handshake guy. I do it because that's what our culture does. But if I can give you a high five, like I did Mark today, five will give you 10. That's what I do. When we were talking once, you said, you know, you never get in trouble giving somebody a high five, but there is the possibility of trouble in a hug. And I think that's just wisdom, wisdom in the workplace, just great wisdom. Well, Bobby, the last quote that you have is from the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark. That is what is on the back of my business cards now. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? And I think it's important to know that as I interact with people, as people come in contact with me, as they Google me, as they interact with people in our organization, I found that they tend to look at me as someone successful, someone that in their mind, maybe, I've gained the whole world. But that's not what's important. What's important is your soul. So when I have opportunities as contrary to culture as it may be, I speak to, I send out emails every Sunday with a scripture verse, I'm a privately held company. I can get away with that. 
And yesterday I sent an invitation to visit a church on Easter. That it may be the most important decision you make in your life. And you may not agree with my invitation. You may choose not to come. You may have a different viewpoint on religion or church. But I simply ask that they come and see. And then I gave the names of churches in the towns where all of our businesses are at. Church that you went to in Joppa, Maryland. Churches that pastor friends of mine have no pastor friends in Salisbury and in Lewis, Delaware. And what's really cool is some of the churches that I recommended are churches that I'm friends with the leaders, with the pastors in. And I believe that if people understand the importance of their soul, it's worth the one day, well, maybe two, Christmas and Easter, that you should visit a church and make that your own decision. So Bobby Pancake, why quotes? Why are they so important to you? Why, why do you put them out into the universe? I've been using quotes to inspire me for over 30 years. And I used to put a quote on my voicemail that was the thought of the week. And I had people who would call me up back in the 90s. And I'd answer the phone and they'd ask me to, you know, hang up. I'm calling back. Just hang up. I just want your quote. I don't even want to talk to you. And then it became social media and it became emails. So I no longer have a thought of the week on my voicemail, but every day, I put a thought of the day out to my company, and then I do the same thing on social media. And for the most part on social media, that's my quote, and that's my involvement in social media. I put my quote out there, and I walk away from social media. Well, Inspiring Growth listeners, I hope you've enjoyed your time with Bobby Pancake as I have. Thank you for listening. And if you're interested in more about Bobby's organization, High Five Hospitality, if you want to be a part of that organization, you can go online and search them out. I'm Mark P. Fisher with Inspiring Growth. Thanks for listening. Man, wasn't that an inspiring podcast with Bobby Pancake? Wow. Well, listen, thanks for tuning in to Inspiring Growth. Today's broadcast was sponsored by SamaritanMinistries.org. Check them out if you want to find a new way to save money and connect with others through SamaritanMinistries.org. Be sure to mention Mark P. Fisher when you sign up if you qualify. And also do us a favor and share the broadcast with your friends. Subscribe on your favorite platform, rate it, review it. That would be great. As you know, reviews are today's currency. I'm Mark P. Fisher with Inspiring Growth. If you want to learn more about how we inspire growth with leaders and their organizations, check us out at inspiringgrowth.biz. That's inspiringgrowth.biz.